Section two of the Crystal Crypt by Philip K. Dick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. He opened the case. From it he took a letter knife, a pencil sharpener, a glass globe paperweight, a box of thumb tacks, a stapler, some clips, a plastic ashtray, and some things Thatcher could not identify. He placed the objects in a row in front of him on the tabletop. Then he closed the sample case. I gather you're in office supplies, Thatcher said. He touched the letter knife with his finger. Nice quality steel. Looks like Swedish steel to me. Erickson nodded, looking into Thatcher's face. Not really an impressive business, is it? Office supplies, ashtrays, paper clips. He smiled. Oh, Thatcher shrugged. Why not? They're a necessity in modern business. The only thing I wonder. What's that? Well, I wonder how you'd ever find enough customers on Mars to make it worth your while. He paused, examining the glass paperweight. He lifted it up, holding it to the light, staring at the scene within, until Erickson took it out of his hand and put it back in the sample case. And another thing, if you three know each other, why did you sit apart when you got on? They looked at him quickly. And why didn't you speak to each other until we left Demos? He leaned toward Erickson, smiling at him. Two men and a woman, three of you, sitting apart in a ship, not speaking until the check station was passed. I find myself thinking over what the Martian said. Three saboteurs, a woman and two men. Erickson put the things back in the sample case. He was smiling, but his face had gone chalk white. Mara stared down, playing with a drop of water on the edge of her glass. Jan clenched his hands together nervously, blinking rapidly. "'You three are the ones the Leiter was after,' Thatcher said softly. "'You are the destroyers, the saboteurs. But their lie detector, why didn't it trap you? How did you get by that? And now you're safe outside the check station.' He grinned, staring around at them. "'I'll be damned, and I really thought you were a salesman, Erickson. You really fooled me.' Erickson relaxed a little. Well, Mr. Thatcher, it's in a good cause. I'm sure you have no love for Mars, either. No Terran does. And I see you're leaving with the rest of us. True, Thatcher said. You must certainly have an interesting account to give, the three of you. He looked around the table. We still have an hour or so of travel. Sometimes it gets dull, this Mars Terra run. Nothing to see, nothing to do but sit and drink in the lounge. He raised his eyes slowly. Any chance you'd like to spin a story to keep us awake? Jan and Mara looked at Erickson. Go on, Jan said. He knows who we are. Tell him the rest of the story. You might as well, Mara said. Jan let out a sigh suddenly, a sigh of relief. Let's put the cards on the table, get this weight off us. I'm tired of sneaking around, slipping. Sure. Erickson said expansively. Why not? He settled back in his chair, unbuttoning his vest. Certainly, Mr. Thatcher, I'll be glad to spin you a story. And I'm sure it will be interesting enough to keep you awake. They ran through the groves of dead trees, leaping across the sun-baked Martian soil, running silently together. They went up a little rise across a narrow ridge. Suddenly Eric stopped throwing himself down flat on the ground. The others did the same, pressing themselves against the soil, gasping for breath. 
Be silent, Eric muttered. He raised himself a little. No noise. There'll be Leiters nearby from now on. We don't dare take any chances. Between the three people lying in the grove of dead trees and the city was a barren, level waste of desert, over a mile of blasted sand. No trees or bushes marred the smooth, parched surface. Only an occasional wind, a dry wind eddying and twisting, blew the sand up into little rills. A faint odor came to them, a bitter smell of heat and sand carried by the wind. Eric pointed, Look! The city! There it is! They stared, still breathing deeply from their race through the trees. The city was close, closer than they had ever seen it before. Never had they gotten so close to it in times past. Terrans were never allowed near the great Martian cities, the centers of Martian life. Even in ordinary times, when there was no threat of approaching war, the Martians shrewdly kept all Terrans away from their citadels, partly from fear, partly from a deep, innate sense of hostility toward the white-skinned visitors whose commercial ventures had earned them the respect and the dislike of the whole system. "'How does it look to you?' Eric said. The city was huge, much larger than they had imagined from the drawings and models they had studied so carefully back in New York in the War Ministry office. Huge it was, huge and stark black towers rising up against the sky, incredibly thin columns of ancient metal, columns that had stood wind and sun for centuries. Around the city was a wall of stone, redstone, immense bricks that had been lugged there and fitted into place by slaves of the early Martian dynasties, under the whiplash of the first great kings of Mars. An ancient sun-baked city, a city set in the middle of a wasted plain, beyond groves of dead trees, a city seldom seen by Terrans, but a city studied on maps and charts in every war office on Terra, a city that contained, for all its ancient stone and archaic towers, the ruling group of all Mars, the Council of Senior Leiters, black-clad men who governed and ruled with an iron hand. The senior leiters, twelve fanatic and devoted men, black priests, but priests with flashing rods of fire, lie detectors, rocket ships, intraspace cannon, many more things the Terran Senate could only conjecture about. The senior leiters and their subordinate province leiters, Eric and the two behind him, suppressed a shudder. We've got to be careful, Eric said again. We'll be passing among them soon. If they guess who we are, or what we're here for." He snapped open the case he carried, glancing inside for a second. Then he closed it again, grasping the handle firmly. "'Let's go,' he said. He stood up slowly. "'You two come up beside me. I want to make sure you look the way you should.' Mara and Jan stepped quickly ahead. Eric studied them critically as the three of them walked slowly down the slope onto the plain toward the towering black spires of the city. Jan, Eric said, take hold of her hand. Remember, you're going to marry her, she's your bride, and Martian peasants think a lot of their brides. Jan was dressed in the short trousers and coat of the Martian farmer, a knotted rope tied around his waist, a hat on his head to keep off the sun. 
His skin was dark, colored by dye, until it was almost bronze. "'You look fine,' Eric said to him. He glanced at Mara. Her black hair was tied in a knot, looped through a hollowed-out uke bone. Her face was dark, too, dark and lined with colored ceremonial pigment, green and orange stripes across her cheeks. Earrings were strung through her ears. On her feet were tiny slippers of peru-hide, laced around her ankles, and she wore long, translucent Martian trousers with a bright sash tied around her waist. Between her small breasts a chain of stone beads rested, good luck charms for the coming marriage. All right, Eric said. He himself wore the flowing gray robe of a Martian priest, dirty robes that were supposed to remain on him all his life, to be buried around him when he died. I think we'll get past the guards. There should be heavy morning traffic on the road. They walked on, the hard sand crunching under their feet. Against the horizon they could see specks moving, other persons going toward the city, farmers and peasants and merchants, bringing their crops and goods to market. "'See the cart!' Mara exclaimed. They were nearing a narrow road, two ruts worn into the sand. A Martian hufa was pulling the cart, its great sides wet with perspiration, its tongue hanging out. The cart was piled high with bales of cloth, rough country cloth, hand-dipped. A bent farmer urged the hufa on. And there, she pointed, smiling. A group of merchants riding small animals were moving along behind the cart, Martians in long robes, their faces hidden by sand masks. On each animal was a pack, carefully tied on with rope. And beyond the merchants, plodding dully along, were peasants and farmers in an endless procession, some riding carts or animals, but mostly on foot. Mara and Jan and Eric joined the line of people, melting in behind the merchants. No one noticed them. No one looked up or gave any sign. The march continued as before. Neither Jan nor Mara said anything to each other. They walked a little behind Eric, who paced with a certain dignity, a certain bearing becoming his position. Once he slowed down, pointing up at the sky. Look, he murmured in the Martian Hill dialect. See that? Two dots circled lazily. Martian patrol craft, the military on the outlook for any sign of unusual activity. War was almost ready to break out with Terra. Any day, almost any moment. We'll be just in time, Eric said. Tomorrow will be too late. The last ship will have left Mars. I hope nothing stops us, Mara said. I want to get back home when we're through. Half an hour passed. They neared the city, the walls growing as they walked, rising higher and higher, until it seemed to blot out the sky itself. A vast wall, a wall of eternal stone that had felt the wind and sun for centuries. A group of Martian soldiers were standing at the entrance, the single passage gate hewed into the rock leading to the city. As each person went through, the soldiers examined him, poking his garments, looking into his load. Eric tensed. The line had slowed almost to a halt. "'It'll be our turn soon,' he murmured. "'Be prepared.' Let's hope no leiters come around, Jan said. The soldiers aren't so bad. Mara was staring up at the wall and the towers beyond. Under their feet the ground trembled, vibrating and shaking. 
she could see tongues of flame rising from the towers, from the deep underground factories and forges of the city. The air was thick and dense with particles of soot. Mara rubbed her mouth, coughing. "'Here they come,' Eric said softly. The merchants had been examined and allowed to pass through the dark gate, the entrance through the wall into the city. They and their silent animals had already disappeared inside. The leader of the group of soldiers was beckoning impatiently to Eric, waving him on. "'Come along,' he said. "'Hurry up there, old man.' Eric advanced slowly, his arms wrapped around his body, looking down at the ground. "'Who are you, and what's your business here?' the soldier demanded, his hands on his hips, his gun hanging idly at his waist. Most of the soldiers were lounging lazily, leaning against the wall, some even squatting in the shade. Flies crawled on the face of one who had fallen asleep, his gun on the ground beside him. "'My business?' Eric murmured. "'I am a village priest. Why do you want to enter the city? I must bring these two people before the magistrate to marry them.' He indicated Mara and Jan, standing a little behind him. "'That is the law the Leiters have made.' The soldier laughed. He circled around, Eric. "'What do you have in that bag you carry?' "'Laundry.' We stay the night. What village are you from? Kronos. Kronos? The soldier looked to a companion. Ever heard of Kronos? A backward pigsty. I saw it once on a hunting trip. The leader of the soldiers nodded to Jan and Mara. The two of them advanced, their hands clasped, standing close together. One of the soldiers put his hand on Mara's bare shoulder, turning her around. Nice little wife you're getting, he said. Good and firm-looking, he winked, grinning lewdly. Jan glanced at him in sullen resentment. The soldiers guffawed. All right, the leader said to Eric. You people can pass. Eric took a small purse from his robes and gave the soldier a coin. Then the three of them went into the dark tunnel that was the entrance, passing through the wall of stone into the city beyond. They were within the city. Now! Eric whispered, hurry. Around them the city roared and cracked, the sound of a thousand vents and machines shaking the stones under their feet. Eric led Mara and Jan into a corner by a row of brick warehouses. People were everywhere, hurrying back and forth, shouting above the din, merchants, peddlers, soldiers, street women. Eric bent down and opened the case he carried. From the case, he quickly took three small coils of fine metal, intricate meshed wires and veins worked together into a small cone. Jan took one and Mara took one. Eric put the remaining cone into his robe and snapped the case shut. Now remember, the coils must be buried in such a way that the line runs through the center of the city. We must trisect the main section, where the largest concentration of buildings is. Remember the maps. Watch the alleys and streets carefully. Talk to no one if you can help it. Each of you has enough Martian money to buy your way out of trouble. Watch especially for cut purses, and for heaven's sake don't get lost." Eric broke off. Two black-clad leiters were coming along the inside of the wall, strolling together with their hands behind their backs. They noticed the three who stood in the corner by the warehouses and stopped. Go, Eric muttered and be back here at sundown. He smiled grimly, or never come back. Each went off a different way, walking quickly without looking back. The Leiters watched them go. 
The little bride was quite lovely, one Leiter said. Those hill people have the stamp of nobility in their blood from the old times. A very lucky young peasant to possess her, the other said. They went on. Eric looked after them, still smiling a little. Then he joined the surging mass of people that milled eternally through the streets of the city. End of section 2